presented by Millie Package. Joining me today is a man who needs no introduction, legendary MMA coach Javier Mendez. Javier, welcome on to Division Two Sports Radio, my friend. Uh, thanks for having me on, Blake. Glad to be on. So, Javier, how were you first introduced to combat sports? Um, originally, I was introduced to combat sports. If you're talking about boxing, is that is that a combat sports that that, that should be probably included, right? Because I would I would count it. Yeah, I, I started when I was 12 years old uh, at a elementary junior junior high school, uh, Sylvandale. I called Sylvandale high, uh, Elementary Middle High School. I'm sorry. Uh, junior high and and uh, it was right across the street from my house i did about six months of boxing uh we used to do tuesdays and thursdays we used to go box and then we do competitions i did like two competitions in boxing and then, then i quit when did you start to pursue mma well uh, the kickboxing came about uh when I, I as soon as i got out of high school i uh you know with my first job i, I wanted to do martial arts like the bruce lee thing you know and be able to defend yourself. So I got involved in martial arts. Uh, I got involved in a form called Tong Sudo, which is a Korean martial art. And from there, uh, I switched over to Taekwondo, uh, which was basically, uh, you know, with Ernie Reyes. Uh, and my instructor at that time was uh, Scott Coker, who's the promoter for Bellator. No, I'm sure Scott Coker's pretty happy right now. I'm not sure if you watched the A.J. McKee and Patricio Pitbull fight. Very good for the sport to see a guy like McKee start to dominate. And uh, he's got some star power for sure. He's 26 as well. That's good for Scott Coker. And I actually didn't know that you trained under him. What's Coker's background in the fight game? Uh, well, Scott Coker started uh, way back in the fight game under Core, uh, Core Super Fights. Uh, was uh, promoted by, uh, you know, sponsored by Core's. And he started with the PKA way back in the day with like Brad Hefton, Troy Dorsey, and all those big names like, you know, um, so many different names, Benny Arquitas, Bill Superfoot Wallace, you know, all those people. Uh, he used to promote the way back in the day. And I used to help him uh, with the promotions, like pick up fighters, run the back room, you know, glove up fighters, taking them out to their fights, things like that, picking them up to the airport. I used to do all those things. And I went from doing that with him to actually be one of his fighters for his promotion. So would you ever get back into promotion or are you comfortable right now with the work you're doing with American Kickboxing Academy? Uh, no, I wouldn't get back into promotion. Maybe I will if someone else does it. I, I'm not, I'm not too keen on that. I, I mean, promotion is the way to go, to be honest with you, to really make a big impact, but it's not my love. So uh, I love coaching and, and uh, that's where I chose to stay, you know, and, and coaching so i've done promotions little ones here and there with friends but it's mostly for them i never did a promotion for me and if i ever picked up promotion again it would be to help somebody else out not me uh, i'm not i'm not too keen on being a promoter well you coach one guy who probably doesn't need any promotion habib Nurmagomedov. during khabib's career which win in your book is the most impressive on that undefeated record uh, for me, I would say his last fight it was the most impressive because he beat a super dangerous individual with uh, the, the worst camp he's ever had in the history of all the, since 2012, since he's been with me. He's never had uh, such a worse camp than this one. He got the mumps before he arrived to training camp in, in, uh, in Dubai and uh, 
he he got reinfected again while he was there, or maybe not reinfected. He never quite cleared, so he was a lot of time off from from doing anything. And then uh, once he got cleared, uh, you know, off the hospital, when he got off the hospital, he had to stay in his room for a little bit. Then he goes back to training about uh, a week and a half of decent training. Then he breaks his toe, you know, so that was horrible. So it, it, it was just, uh, you know, to come out and perform the way he did uh, with such a horrible camp was unbelievable. And, and all attributes to his mental strength because, you know, like the one thing he told me, you know, because I was going to pull him out of the fight on many occasions. I said, I'm pulling you out of the fight. And, and he goes, no, 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 please don't. If I don't show you improvement on this day, then you can pull it. But every single time when that day come, when I was supposed to pull him, he did so darn good that I couldn't pull him. So I said, all right, well, you're fine. You know, and so we let him go. And, uh, you know, and then he breaks his toe. Then I wanted to pull it again. I wanted to push it back further. He wouldn't do it. He said, no, please, just show me, give me another, not show me, give me more time, coach, give me more time. If, if I don't look good by this day, then you can pull it. I said, okay, well, that day came and he looked like a million bucks. So, you know, I, how can I pull him, you know? And then when he says to me that coach, my toe may be broken, but my mental is not, I said, there's no way, no way, no one's going to beat him now. And uh, I was very, very, uh, comfortable and very confident going into that fight because of those words that he said and, and uh, you know and so I was like the worst camp ever but the most confident ever that I went into uh, that fight so that one because of what we have to endure um, for him to accomplish what he did you know being such a dangerous guy with the way he did it that was impressive really impressive I agree with you completely. I was shocked that Justin Gaethje wasn't able to go further with the champ. Habib time and time again shows that even the best in the world, you know, they don't compare to what he's been able to do. And that's one thing that will always stand out to me about Habib and his greatness. After the fight, Habib obviously laid down his gloves and retired from mixed martial arts. I'm interested to know, did you have any idea that that was his plan prior to the fight? No. Zero. I had zero idea. There was no talk. There was actually there was actually talk about an, an Ultimate Fighter uh, a situation between him and, and Connor. Uh, there was talk about that. Uh, before that, there was talk about the hundred million dollar payday with Floyd Mayweather. There was talk about that, uh, but nowhere in between all of this was there ever any indication that he was going to retire. I'm sure some of his uh, close relatives knew about it. Obviously, his mom and him knew about it, but I was clueless. I was clueless. And uh, still to this day, I've never discussed it with him. And I, and, uh, I won't ever discuss it with him because it's not my business. That's it's a family, it's a family thing. And, and he has to respect his mother and he does. And, and uh, if he does ever come back, that's between him and his mother. It has nothing to do with me. So uh, I just move along. I said, well, you're going to help me coach. And that's what he wants to do. And you know, um, you can just call him just an incredible human being because he has so many businesses ventures that he's involved in, but he still spends the time uh, devoted to the Team Eagle and a AKA fighters. And, uh, you know, he's given his time and, 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 and devotion to them. And, and it's unbelievable how much uh, love and how much experience he brings uh, to, to helping the teams get stronger. So, you know, with his team and my team combined, I, I, pretty much believe that we probably have the strongest uh, combined team in the world um, with both of us together, AKA and Team Eagle.
it'd be hard to deny that right now with the success of guys like Islam Makachev. And then, of course, on Saturday night with Nurmagomedov's cousin. That was an impressive showing. And the work that you guys are doing is outstanding. And it's been interesting to see Habib transition from arguably the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world to one of the best coaches now. He's got an undefeated record for 2021. What has it been like coaching alongside Habib? Well, that's this the one thing that people don't understand. Uh, when he was, uh, uh, when he started to understand English, and uh, he brought over his uh, his cousin Abu Bakar back uh, six years ago, he was coaching then. So to me, it's no different than what he's doing now. He he learns from me. He learned from his father, and he makes a mistake here and there. But that's why we're here for to help him with those uh, little errors that he make uh, to make him a great coach. He's a great coach now but he's on track to being one of the greatest coaches, in my opinion. And uh, that's if he chooses to do it. He may not. I, I'm not sure. Right now, I know he's, he's driven to, to drive the guys to the best they can do. But I also know that on this last fight, uh, after you know, the, the second fight with Islam Mavadov, when he was fighting, he got a little, he got a little uh, worrisome there uh, for him because so, he cares so much about his guys. And you know, that was such a really close fight. Uh, that, that uh, you know, we, you know, he relaxed a little and then, but, but you know, he was, he's lost his voice a little bit on that one. <laughs> so needless to say, he still has, he still has some improvements to make and uh, he knows it. And, uh, but, you know, it's like you said, it's uh, three fights, like kind of back to back, almost like that, a little much for him. Obviously, from a fan's perspective, I would love to see him back in the octagon with the gloves back on. You said you haven't talked to him about his decision to retire at all. Is there is there something that could happen? Someone could maybe lure Khabib back? The way I look at it right now, absolutely not. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing like that's going to lure him back. You know, uh, no. No, because Islam Makachev is going to win that lightweight title and He's not going to have any desire to fight Islam anytime soon, <laughs> ever, you know. So unless there's some interesting cross-section type of, like with Mayweather, where in the past, you know, he was offered all that money to fight Mayweather. Uh, but of course, you know, in order for something like that to happen, you'd have to have the UFC's blessing. So the UFC would have to approve of something like that before something like that can ever happen. But foremost, the number one person that has to approve, even if he wanted to, would be his mother because... You know, he is not one that's going to go against his mother's wishes at all. So uh, the number one is his mother. Number two would be him wanting it. Number three would be the UFC. And, of course, number four would be Mayweather's group. Uh, that's the only thing I could see remotely having a chance. And even I think that's a so far remote chance that it's not even worth talking about it, to be honest with you. You mentioned Habib's father, and I know you two were close. So what did you learn from his father? And what was that time period like when obviously he lost his battle with COVID? Well, you know, for me, uh, uh, you know, I didn't actually get to spend as much time with him as I would like to have. Uh, he first came down here in uh, 2015. He spent a month with us here when I was training Habib. And uh, right from the get-go, you, know, uh, you know, still to this day, I tell people that, uh, you know, he never asked me one time how I'm going to train his son. He never told me how to train his son. He never corrected anything I've ever done in regards to his son. You know, um, we've had the same mutual respect for each other every time we saw each other. And, uh, you know, he came down because uh, obviously he wanted to see how Habib was in, in our hands. And when he left, uh, he, you know, he left very happy knowing that he was okay here. He knew 
the vision that him and I had was the same for his son. We had that we shared the same uh, vision as far as what his son could do and how he could do it. And he knew that that I was the guy that was going to be able to get his son to 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 get there to what he needed. And uh, you know, they asked him one time in an interview over there in Russia that uh, you know, does he need an AKA? You know, over there in Russia, he goes, no. He goes, there's only one one thing we need, and that's Javier Mendez. That's it. We have everything else. And the reason being is that him and I thought alike. And since I was a striking guy and he's the ground guy, and we think alike him, I, I swear, we thought so much alike. It was ridiculous uh, how much we thought the same. And um, there was a time situations I would talk to Habib, hey, I need you like this, 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 that. And he'd always say, yes, yes, I know. My father always say same thing, coach, same as you, same as you. That was what I always heard every single time when it came to game planning, when it came to everything, it was always... Yes, father say the same thing. Yes, father say the same thing. Him and his father and I never disagreed on anything. And that's the truth. Never disagreed on anything. And that's why I devised the uh, father's plan. And it's a lot more intricate than you than people think, but but father's plan came out as a result of all that type of communication that I had with him in regards to coaching, not talking, because you know, I didn't speak a lick of Russian, he didn't speak a lick of English. So it was not easy to communicate with each other. You obviously now are coaching Islam Makachev, and I know Habib has said a couple of different things about Father's Plan and about how Islam is a little behind schedule, he was joking, in the media. But what separates Islam Makachev from the rest of these 155 guys right now? What, well, for me, what separates him is he's, he's, he's so well-rounded, more so than anybody. Anybody, I don't care who it is in the lightweight division. He's 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 more well-rounded than all of those guys. He can take the fight anywhere he wants it, and he can beat them all in that arena. And if they can beat him on the striking, they're not going to beat him on the ground. And if they can beat him on the ground, they're not going to beat him on the striking. So he's the most well-rounded uh, fighter in the lightweight division uh, in the world right now. And that's why, you know, I, I when I say I don't care who he fights, I don't care who he fights. He's going to win, you know. Now, everybody has a chance, obviously. You know, one shot can take you out. And they can take anybody out. That's for sure. Michael Johnson, you know, proved that that could potentially happen when he clipped Habib with a good shot. And even though Habib didn't feel it, he, he hit him with a pretty good shot. And I didn't want too many more of those shots happening. But what I'm trying to say here is that a good shot from any great, uh, uh, you know, top 10 guy could put you out. But that's the only way that anything like that could happen to Islam. Other than that, they're not going to outpoint him. They're not going to outgrapple him. He's just going to beat everybody. The one thing that impressed me so much about Islam's last performance is Diego Moises is not a scrub by any means. He had a number next to his name prior to the fight. I talked to Diego Lima, who trains or has trained with Tiago, and he said he's tough. So for Islam to go in there and do what he did is, you know, very commendable. And there's a reason that he jumped up as high as he did in the UFC's rankings. I'm excited to see what he does, though, for sure. And one fight that interests me would be against Benil Dariush. I know you said you don't really care who he fights. I feel like from a grappling perspective, that would be a beautiful fight. I'm agreeing. Uh, I don't know who we'll get. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I know I know. just based on how the UFC does their ranking, they usually put winner against winner. And being that Justin Gagey lost, you know, and, and uh, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Michael Chandler lost, I know those two are out. They're going to probably try to put those two guys together, I'm imagining. And then uh, Benil or RDA against Islam, I figure one of those guys they're going to try to get. And uh, that's my 
that's my way of thinking. And of course, Dustin's going to fight the champ, and uh, whoever that is uh, wins. It's going to be going to come down to who's the most impressive out of the other four uh, in their in their fights. You know, who's the most impressive? And I think who will get the next title shot. But I would imagine that that if Benio and, and Islam are fighting because they both have are on a winning streak, that they'll probably get it over 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 uh, Chandler or Justin Gagey. I don't know, unless they look so impressive, you know, that the, the fans demand it, the UFC demands it. But I would think we're more on par for that based on uh, winning. And, uh, you know, so the next fight is going to be based on performance, you know, if we, you know, we're, not if, because I know we're going to win. It just depends on who we fight. Chandler and Gaethje is happening in November. I mean, look, any one of those guys, uh, they're all world-class, great fighters. So, uh, you know, Islam fighting any one of those guys is going to be it's going to be a fight. And if you know, look, listen, I say Islam's going to win, but but we have to be ready to go, just like we did with Moises. You know, we we were ready for him. We didn't underestimate uh, him. We were ready for uh, as tough as we knew he was. And I knew that that uh, Islam was going to take care of him the way he did because I know how good Islam is, and he proved it. You know, uh, by submitting a guy that most people would have never thought he could submit. You know, and uh, you know, and rightfully so, because Moises is, is uh, one of the best, uh, you know, in the lightweight division in the jiu-jitsu arena. You know, and and he's proven that. You know, and uh, uh, you know, so yeah, it's it's just one of those things where, you know, Islam just just one more fight, be impressive like he was this one, and I I, I don't think they're going to be able to deny him that there's a next challenger for whoever wins the title, and and I'm not talking about Oliveira. I'm not, I don't know who's going to win. It could be Dustin. It could be Oliveira. It doesn't matter to me. What only matters is the title because there's nobody in particular that, that would be of interest, you know, from a perspective of, you know, the fans wanting to see, you know, of those, you know, it's just a matter of title. Well, Islam is for sure on his way to eventually capturing that lightweight belt. Similarly to Khabib, of course, who won the belt. Another champion that you trained is Daniel Cormier. What was it like working with the former UFC champ? Fantastic. I mean, him and I like brothers. I love that guy to death. He's the kindest, most warmest, help, help, most helpful guy. That he'll do whatever he can for the fighters. That guy's got a heart of gold, and and uh, you know, uh, and people are starting to understand that now because they're starting to understand what he does for the wrestling club, how many people he pays for entering competitions, flying the whole family out for their kids. You know, the kid's youth wrestling, you know, he flies a lot of people out most of the time and he pays entrance fees. He does so much for them. I mean, he's got a wrestling school in Gilroy now, and I guarantee you it's taking a loss more than it is a profit because all the money he makes, he puts out back towards the kids and more. He's done an incredible job from the commentary side as well. I've really enjoyed watching him, John Anik, and then you know, either Michael Bisping or, of course, Joe Rogan. It's been exciting. I've enjoyed watching and listening to him on television and then, of course, on his podcast as well. So he, he's a man of, of many paths right now, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, television is, is, is what he's meant to do, and coaching is what he, what he loves to do. He's meant to be on television. He's meant to be in the, in the spotlight. But coaching is what he loves to do. So uh, you're not going to see the coaching out of him anytime soon, probably ever. He'll probably coach in the rest of his life, but that doesn't mean that he can't entertain us with his uh, personality. And I, I can see him uh, becoming the anchor in so many different shows, so many football, basketball, baseball, you know, any kind of athletic endeavor, any kind of entertainment endeavor. He's perfect for the job. 
you know, I think that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in movies somewhere down the line. You know, uh, I can see him being a great actor, too. You know, he's incredible. I also think one cool thing about, about DC is he's almost like Tony Romo with the NFL. When Romo's commentating, he calls a play before it happens or predicts something or gives some, you know, really great analysis onto what's going on. I think DC does that with the fight game. Yeah, I, I, you know, the other guy I really like is Michael Bisping. I, when he talks, I really like his analogy because being a fighter myself, you know, I can relate to him too and all the things he says. He's so well-spoken and he's so thoughtful in everything he says. And, and uh, for me, he clicks too. You know, DC and him, for me, are my favorites to watch when they're announcing because they're, they're both incredible, both of those guys. Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan doesn't talk from – the actual competitive side like those guys do. So Joe's got a great voice. Joe talks great. But for me, the, my two favorites are, are Bisping and, and Daniel. So Daniel fought John Jones not once but twice. You were a part of both of those camps. So I'm interested. Were you at that press conference when things got a little hectic? No, unfortunately, every time something got hectic, I was never around. There was more <laughs> situations than that because I'm not about that. And, and uh, they already know that if I was around that, I would have I did everything I could to try to prevent it from escalating. Uh, whereas the other coaches, not so much. But for me, you know, I, I'm not about that. This is a professional sport. This is, uh, this is a sport where people want to get involved in. And, and I, don't, I don't want to see any of that outside, outside the cage type uh, tactics. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't approve of them. And uh, if I can avoid them, I will avoid them. I will do whatever I can to prevent them. And I know that's not the case with all coaches, but it is with me. I'm going to do whatever I can to prevent that. Because if we want to be looked upon in good light, then, then you don't want to have those situations, uh, you know, arise, especially if you're the head coach, and especially if you know you can do something to prevent them from happening. It's our responsibility as coaches to step in and try to nip it in the bud before it gets to that point where it escalates. And yeah, you know, I get, I get the point. I get the point where it sells this and that, but you know what? It's not a good sports. It's not a good image for the kids, not a good image for fans. I, I you know, I would hate uh, to be involved in that. And if I could have done something about it and I knew I could have done something about it and I didn't, it would really bother me. So uh, again, uh, no, <laughs> I wasn't around because if I was, I would have tried to prevent it from happening. What are your memories and feelings regarding the ending of UFC 229 with Habib and Connor? Well, on that one, it was like a bittersweet type scenario because, you know, we, we did what we wanted to do. I, I was like, you know, not wanting him to stand like he did. He stood just to show him he could. And, uh, but I don't like close rounds. And so when he did go back to father's plan like I wanted, I was so happy and I turned around and I was about to celebrate with my friends. And as soon as I, I, I hear the commotion, I turn around and there he is flying over the, the cage. You know, and I was like, oh, my whole world almost shattered on me. I'm like, oh, I cannot believe I'm watching this. I, I was like horrified. And obviously, and I was trying to get up in the cage, but the police officers were there telling me stay back. And they tell you stay back regardless of who you are. You know, they don't know who you are. I'm not going to start talking to them because you don't know what's going to happen. And then uh, who ends up uh, cooling down Habib, Luke Rockhold and, and DC, because they let them in. And, uh, and I was just staying in the back. But uh, that was one of those moments that, you know, I wish that things could have been different. But in another way, it happened 
and it was meant to happen because it really brought him together with more people who who loved the fact that he, he fought for the family he fought for the nation he fought for the religion and uh all those people that hate people that do that kind of talking applauded what habib did you defended our country you defended our family you defended our religion so many people love that about him you know and i wasn't thinking that way at the beginning i was just thinking about the trouble we're going to be in you know and yeah. the trouble he's going to be in now they're going to give him the title i was thinking oh no this is the worst thing could ever happen but as it turned out it made him bigger it made him bigger because of what he stood for you know and and uh when he said that to the state athletic commission that if you guys want me to fight there, you can give me my money back and I'll fight. Otherwise, I'll never fight for you guys ever again. Obviously, I'm sure you saw what happened to McGregor in the Poirier fight back in July. So I'm curious, what type of recovery is that for McGregor? Well, it's a mental it's a mental and a physical. You know, there's so much that he has to go through. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really want to talk about the guy. I, I don't respect him, so I don't want to talk about him. So let's shift gears here and talk about another guy who is a champion at this current point in time. So Brandon Moreno, he became the first Mexican-born champion in UFC history. What are your thoughts on Moreno? Very happy for him. Very happy for Mexico. He represents Mexico well. Uh, very proud, uh, pure Mexican warrior who, who got technical and, and who came back, who took defeat uh, but never laid down when they cut him. He comes back super strong. Uh, learns from all the right people, trains with different various camps, comes to Vegas, learns there, goes back home in Tijuana, learns there. Uh, he's learning from different people. The kids got very charismatic, uh, learned to speak English when he had no, uh, no, no knowledge whatsoever. And now if you hear him speak, you think he's been doing it for quite a while, you know, where he's still learning, you know, and uh, very happy for him, very happy for the country of Mexico to have his first official uh, Latin-born uh, Mexican champion because Cain Velasquez was the, the first one, but Cain wasn't born in Mexico. Cain was born in, uh, in San Jose, actually in, uh, in, uh, in this area over here in Northern California. What was it like working with Velasquez? Cain uh, Velasquez, out of all my fighters, uh, has gotten the most attention from me. He's, he has the most knowledge on my, on my uh, way of teaching and my technical uh, uh, way of teaching. He is the most complete fighter that I've ever trained. I spent a lot of years with him and uh, he's an unbelievable, unbelievable. And he's an unbelievable coach. I cannot believe how good he is as a coach. Um, Ken Velasquez, uh, the sky's the limit as to what he can do. It's just a matter of what he wants to do. The present time is just being a, a great father and a great husband, you know, uh, and that's it. You know, that's what he's doing at the present time. So you also do a little bit of work with Luke Rockhold. So what's next for Rockhold? No, I haven't trained with Luke in a while. It's been years since I trained Luke. Uh, uh, but Luke's still AKA for life. Uh, what's good for him is uh, he was here about a month ago. And uh, he he's basically looking for something that entices him, something that, that gets him up in the morning to train for. So, you know, he's waiting uh, waiting for the UFC to offer something good for him. And he, he had something that was, that was uh, enticing. But it didn't. Uh, it didn't necessarily pan out the way he wanted. The uh, uh, the individual that was offered to him didn't want didn't want to fight at that weight, and uh, so now he's just waiting for something else. And uh, hopefully, he'll get what you know what he wants. You know, and if not, I guess he'll stay the way he where he's at. He wants something that's going to get him up in the morning. Someone's going to make him want to train. You know, and I understand he's been around 
long enough. He's been a, you know, strike force champion, UFC champion. I mean, the kids have been a winner his whole life and, and uh, he's entitled to, to what he wants, you know, and if he doesn't get what he wants, then uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll decide what's next for him, but uh, he's 36 years old. So he's not young. So, you know, um, whatever Luke does, he's going to do great at. So Javier, final question for you here. This Saturday, Surreal Gone takes on Derek Lewis for the interim heavyweight strap. Who do you like in this bout and why? Uh, Surreal Gone because he's so freaking talented. He's so good everywhere. Uh, he's got cat-like reflexes, incredible size, incredible uh, uh, power, uh, just precision kicker. I mean, I mean, that guy's really, really good. He is, in my opinion, the best well-rounded heavyweight at the present time, riding a nine-fight nine win streak. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if he's the next champ. You know, and I don't consider this fight uh, uh, the champ. The, whoever wins this fight, to me, it's the number one contender's fight. That's it. It's not, not a title fight or interim title. I don't care about that. I don't think anybody cares about interim title. It doesn't mean nothing. But it does mean the winner of this is guaranteed that they should fight uh, the, the champ. And Gano is the champ, and, and to me, this fight means nothing as far as interim, but it does mean something as far as an exciting uh, fight because remember last time when, when uh, you know, the Beast fought someone that, that was equal like that, which is Ngano, and Gano didn't really want to engage with him. Ngano was, was uh, very fearful of the power that, that, that he, the Beast had, you know, so who knows, you know, we may see the same thing. I doubt it, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and I, you can't you can't take anything away from his power. The beast to take you out with one shot, and he's proven it, you know. And the, that's the only way, though, I see him winning this by, by a knockout. And it could happen. Well, that's some very high praise for a contender from France and Surreal Gone. So, Javier, that's going to wrap it up for me. I appreciate your time. Uh, this was an absolute honor talking to someone with as much credentials and high praise from the fight game than yourself. Wish you the best of luck and same to uh, AKA, okay? Thank you, Blake. Absolutely. Let's do it again sometime. Thank All you. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you. Thank you for listening to Division Two Sports. For all Division Two Sports news, follow us on social media at Division underscore Two Sports. You can go your own.